hope you had a safe 4th of July, everyone. A safe and fun 4th of July. It's Sig Daddy here with another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show, bringing you another retro pay-per-view review. This week, it's Great American Bash 2005. But before I get into that, I'd like to let you know what's coming up here in the coming weeks. Next week, uh, late Friday, it'll be Friday or Saturday, I will have my ECW Heat Wave 2000 Retro Pay-Per-View Review, and the main event of that show was just incredible defending his ECW World Heavyweight Championship against Tommy Dreamer in a Stairway to Hell match. Also on the card was Rob Van Dam versus Scotty Anton, and then Rhino defending his ECW World Television Championship against the Sandman. That's coming up next Friday or Saturday. And then coming up on Monday, it will be my review for the horror show at Extreme Rules. There's going to be a swamp match. There's going to be an eye-for-eye match. Definitely some cinematic wrestling that's going to take place next Sunday at the horror show at Extreme Rules. But that's coming up in the future. Today, it's the Great American Bash 2005 pay-per-view review. Let's not waste any more time getting into it. It took place July 24th, 2005 at HSBC Arena in Buffalo, New York, now known as the Key Bank Center. Nine, actually eight matches on the main card, one Sunday night heat match, and that match was uh, Paul London defending his cruiserweight championship against Nunzio. Paul London would win that match, and there were 8,000 in attendance for this pay-per-view and 233,000 pay-per-view buys for this one. So it starts out with the Legion of Doom. It's a new version of the Legion of Doom. Animal and Heidenreich taking on the tag champs and Eminem, Joey Mercury, and Johnny Nitro accompanied by Molina. It's a tag team championship match for the WWE Tag Team Championships. This doesn't go very long. goes about 6 minutes and 45 seconds. Nothing special with this one, but the new LOD gets the victory after... Uh, Mercury went for a clothesline and missed. Animal threw him off the ropes and hit a power slam. Mercury on the shoulders of Animal. Heidenreich heads up top and hits the clothesline, which was LOD's old finisher named the Doomsday Device. And the crowd gave a nice pop to the title change. It was a nice feel-good moment to start the show. Kind of a very odd pairing with Heidenreich and Animal. Heidenreich really never stuck in WWE, and I don't know. This was an interesting choice for the opener, but this was probably the best thing to open the show, in all honesty, because the show doesn't get much better as it goes along, but uh, who knows. Heidenreich would eat most of the offense from Eminem before getting the hot tag to Animal, I thought this was fine. I'm going to give it a C plus. And then following that, we get Eddie backstage, Eddie Guerrero backstage with Josh Matthews. And he's talking about his new stipulation he'd like to mention. 
And Ray, he talked to Ray earlier. Ray didn't like the suggestion at first, but then he eventually saw it his way. And if he didn't, he wouldn't be able to keep his little secret. And Dominic is involved in this storyline. It's crazy to think 15 years ago, Dominic was involved in the storyline. Now he's involved with Monday Night Raw. Him and his dad are back together, just like they were at this point in 2005. And Eddie says manipulation is his new addiction. And Dominic gets to come out to ringside and see his Uncle Eddie destroy and finally beat his dad in the middle of the ring. And then Dominic gets to come to the ring and listen to the bedtime story that Eddie promises, that Eddie promised to tell him a long, long time ago. After that, we had Booker T, accompanied by Charmel, taking on Christian. Christian, he got a victory over Booker two weeks ago leading up to this on SmackDown, but he jumped him from behind prior to the match, and pretty much it was academic once Booker T wanted to, the match to start. Christian hit the under prettier and won the match, and Christian ends up getting his comeuppance during this match because late in... Later on in the match, Christian gets thrown into the steel ring post and then into the steel steps. Booker wins it with a scissor kick at 11 minutes and 52 seconds. There was some psychology involved in this match. It was This match was enjoyable, though. This match was enjoyable and a physical match between these two guys. And it was a simple story told here. Booker getting his revenge and Christian getting his comeuppance. And this match got a little bit of a weird mixed reaction because Christian was playing the heel at this point and he was getting cheers in uh, Buffalo. And it was kind of like 50-50. It was interesting. And the one thing I'll gripe about this match was they kind of ignored the shoulder work that they did earlier in the match. Like they did it, they did some shoulder stuff earlier on in the match, and which was a nice thing from an in-ring psychology standpoint. But then after a while, they just completely ignored it. And I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give this match a B minus after Booker got the win uh, with a second rope scissors kick. I like the finish is different than a uh, usual, but. Uh, yeah, I didn't like that they kind of ignored the shoulder work that they were doing during the match. I'm going to give it a B minus, like I already said. And after that, we get Molina backstage by Eminem's locker room with an interviewer named Steve Romero. He must have not worked there for very long because I had never heard of this guy before viewing this on the WWE Network. Um, she says Eminem will be tag champs again soon. Her match with Tori, she talks about that, and she'll not she will not let anyone in this world see her in her underwear. And hint hint, it's a bra and panties match coming up later on in the pay-per-view. Next, it's Orlando Jordan defending his United States Championship against Chris Benoit. And I noticed this during the show. All the heels were entering first. It was weird. And then the champs were entering first during this pay-per-view also. The champs were heels, of course, for the most part, and they were entering first during this. And uh, Jordan 
was attacked by Benoit prior to this match on Heat. He was getting interviewed by he was getting interviewed backstage and Benoit attacked him. And Benoit, he dominates the early portions of this match. They get plenty of time during this. They get uh, 14 minutes and 23 seconds. Jordan works the arm of Benoit throughout the match so he cannot get the crippler crossface in. And he goes for multiple sharpshooter attempts and he can't get it locked in on Jordan. Jordan just seems to have an answer for a counter for everything Benoit is doing. Uh, Benoit, Jordan actually, countered a one sharpshooter attempt and then Benoit got up and hit a German on Jordan. He hits up Heads up top for a flying headbutt. It connects. Jordan kicks out at two and a half. Jordan then gets his head thrown off the turnbuckle, and then he inadvertently headbutts Benoit, and then Jordan removes the turnbuckle pad. Benoit grabs him for another German. Jordan then goes forward, sending Benoit headfirst into the top turnbuckle. Jordan covers and retains at 14 minutes and 23 seconds. The crowd hurt this one a little bit. They had a good match from an in-ring psychology standpoint, but the crowd was just not into this. It was really weird because they were doing plenty of good stuff during this. The crowd just wasn't into it. I'm going to give it a B-. And a month later, Benoit would make Jordan tap out in under 25 seconds to win the U.S. title. Benoit post-match gets a standing O from the crowd. And I, I, I said this, the crowd made more noise during the standing O than they did for 90% of this match. It's a fine match. It was a really enjoyable match between the two, but the crowd just couldn't seem to get into it. I'm going to give it a B-. After that, it's The Undertaker versus Muhammad Hassan with Davari. Uh, to determine the number one contender for the World Heavyweight Championship at SummerSlam. Hint, hint, this match never takes place at SummerSlam because the main event leads to another match at SummerSlam for the World Heavyweight Championship. So, spoiler, The Undertaker wins this one against Muhammad Hassan. Muhammad Hassan, very controversial figure at this point in WWE. He's trying to become the first Arab-American world champion in WWE. A lot of this is interference from these uh, sympathizers. They try, they keep getting involved during this match throughout it. It's kind of annoying. It takes away from the actual match, which I thought they could have actually had a pretty good one, but too much interference during this. Undertaker just kind of fights the odds and, uh, overcomes the odds and eventually Hassan locks in the camel clutch. Taker gets back up to two feet and hits an electric chair on him. Clothesline in the corner by Taker. Boot to a sympathizer. Snake eyes to Hassan. Boot to another sympathizer. Clotheslines Hassan. Knocks down another one. Takes out two more. He goes for the tombstone. Hassan counters. Boot to the midsection. Whips Taker into the ropes. Taker ducks the clothesline. And Taker wins with a choke slam at 8 minutes and 4 seconds. And post-match, the sympathizers, they attack Taker 5-on-1. The sympathizers were surrounding the ring. 
leading, uh, during this match. Uh, Taker takes each one of them out. Davari, he gets thrown out of the ring by Taker after Hassan pushes him into Taker. And then Taker tombstones a th- sympathizer. Taker throws Davari through the bottom of the announce table. Hassan's crawling up the ramp. Taker follows him, choke slams him on the steel ramp. Taker removes a couple of the steel panels at the top of the ramp and last rides him through the stage. And that's the segment post-match. I'm going to give this a C, not good. Hassan would then disappear from wrestling after this. And I don't know, this was not very enjoyable. Way too much smoke and mirrors during this match. I expected interference, but it was way too much. And it was the worst thing on the show so far, in my opinion. Didn't really enjoy this at all. I'll say this. The post-match was much more memorable than anything that happened during this match. And this is not a good era for Taker. He, at this when he returned to the Dead Man persona back in 2004, it took him a while. It took him a while before he really got his feet back underneath him. Really, it took him until about, I'd say, 2007 before he had a career resurgence. And, I don't know, this was not the best version of Undertaker we've seen. And Hassan, like I said, disappeared from TV afterwards. C grade from me for this match. And following that, we get a Tori Wilson interview and she's going to give the troops something to remember tonight and show women that girls kick ass and give men exactly what they want to see. Melina stripped down to her bra and panties. And then the medics are attending to Hassan, who has a pool of blood underneath his head. After that, we get a filler match with the Mexicools, Juventud, better known as the Juice in WCW, Psychosis and Super Crazy versus the BWO, Big Stevie Cool, the Blue Meanie, and Hollywood Nova. The Blue Meanie recently had a victory over JBL on SmackDown prior to this pay-per-view And this is a nothing match, pretty much. It's a filler. It's just to come off the high of Undertaker putting Hassan through the stage. I guess it served its purpose, but I didn't see really why it should have been on the pay-per-view. Maybe they should have given more time to the Taker-Hassan match and had that interference happen later in the match instead of the whole whole entirety of the match. Um... I get it. They were trying to give fans a little bit of a breather before we head into the most storied feud on the show, but really wasn't that enjoyable. The Mexicools win after a springboard moonsault by Super Crazy, followed by a top rope leg drop from Psychosis. It ended in under five minutes. I'm going to give it a C-. Next was Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero. And if Rey Mysterio loses, Guerrero would have revealed his secret on live TV. And Eddie, throughout this match, he's looking at Dominic. He's talking to Dominic. He uses Dominic as a shield at one time as Dominic's sitting by the announce table. Eddie constantly working the back of Rey Mysterio. Eddie at this point is 
three is 0 and three against Rey Mysterio in 2005, and Dominic's sitting on a chair at ringside, as I already said. And Eddie, he's at this point where he is obsessed with beating Ray. He cannot beat Ray. And Eddie, he works the back a, a lot in this match. And Eddie gets a little too cocky late. He gets a little bit too cocky as he hits the three amigos. He heads up top. Ray rolls away from Eddie. Then Eddie toys with Ray for a moment. He hits two more suplexes, looks at Dominic, then hits Ray with a brain buster. And he looks at Dominic as he heads up top. Eddie hits the frog splash, looks at Dominic, nonchalantly covers Ray with his back. And then Ray counters after a one count and rolls him up to get the win at 15 minutes and 39 seconds. This is easily easily the best thing on the show and that's not saying much but this was a pretty good match between Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero and I love the back work Eddie did during this and his constant interactions with Dominic as he's playing the manipulator and at this point he's addicted to manipulation and I love this version of Eddie he was great in the mega heel role and Rey just when you think he's done Ray pulls a rabbit out of his hat and pinned Eddie. And I liked how they it pretty much showed Eddie got a little too cocky. And that's when he got caught sleeping and pinned by Ray. And post-match, Eddie's incensed that he couldn't get the job done. Eddie almost got his big win against Ray, but got a little bit too cocky. B-plus grade, best thing on the show by a mile. Then we get JBL with Josh Matthews, and it's a great—it's the greatest embarrassment in his Hall of Fame career when he lost to Blue Meanie just a few weeks ago on SmackDown. He says, tonight will be payback. He will win tonight, and he will guarantee you that he will beat Batista. Then we get the Braun Panties match. It's Molina versus Tori Wilson with Candice Michelle as a special guest referee, and if you need any background on a bra and panties match it is to remove the pants and the shirt of the opponent and if you remove both you win the match and this match doesn't go very long only goes about four minutes and Molina wins after hanging Tori on the top rope removing Tori's pants after she removed her top earlier in the match. Molina wins three minutes and 53 seconds. Molina attacks Candice post-match. Tori makes the save. Candice removes the pants of Molina for revenge. Everyone goes home happy. And Candice takes her referee top and bottoms off to celebrate. Nothing absolutely awful. It was a nice little intermission before the main event. I thought it served its purpose. And I'm glad we had these matches in the past so we could get the matches we have today with the women. And just a brief little tangent, Paley and Sasha are killing it right now. The women are carrying, those two women are carrying both Raw and SmackDown. But let's get to the main event of this show. John Bradshaw Layfield with Orlando Jordan taking on Batista for the World Heavyweight Championship Batista, not Batista, but Jordan wouldn't get involved until later in the match. But Batista got moved over to SmackDown. 
in the draft lottery. Batista's coming off his big World Heavyweight Championship defense a month earlier against Triple H inside of Hell in a Cell. And what led to this match was just that. Batista wasn't even on the SmackDown roster yet, but there was no SmackDown champion. Teddy Long made a six-way elimination match to determine the new SmackDown champion. JBL won it, but then Teddy said he's actually the new number one contender to, you guessed it, Batista's World Heavyweight Championship. And Batista got moved over in the draft lottery. And this match, boy, it's not very good. JBL comes down in a police motorcade and he's all American dressed up in American garb, yada, yada, yada. Uh, They go nearly 20 minutes. This is very slow, very lethargic. Not a main event caliber match for a July pay-per-view. This was a SmackDown exclusive pay-per-view because Raw had theirs back in June and that was Vengeance. And like I said, it wasn't very enjoyable. This was very slow and plotting. A lot of this match was worked outside of the ring. And JBL and Batista just didn't really have that good of chemistry. And Orlando Jordan comes in late in the match, uh, hitting Batista with a chair shot to the spine. But JBL hits a big boot. There's no official to account because... Batista and JBL, actually, it was JBL that knocked the official out of the ring and caused all this official pro- official officiating problems late in the match. Uh, Jordan puts the ref back in the ring. Batista kicks out. JBL hits the clothesline from hell. The ref hasn't recovered yet and... Then goes for a second clothesline from hell. Batista catches him and hits the spine buster. And really, the story they're telling here is that JBL thinks he got screwed because the official was knocked out. Batista then sends Jordan over the top rope. Shoulders to the gut by Batista in the corner. Whips him to the opposite corner. Opposite corner. Clothesline followed by a power slam. Jordan then comes in with the chair once again. Batista throws him in the ring. Batista clubs Jordan over the head with the chair. He then clubs JBL in the head with it. But Nick Patrick sees this and DQs Batista. Batista then incensed and he's waylaying JBL and Jordan with the chair. Batista does retain in 19 minutes and 47 seconds. Batista walks up the ramp and JBL is smiling because he won. And when Chimmel announces that, Batista goes back to the ring and Batista bombs both Jordan and JBL to close the show. I'm going to give this a C. Not a good way to close the show by any means. Very slow, very plodding. And honestly, you should never, ever, ever, ever end a pay-per-view with a disqualification. Never. This ended up setting a no-holds-barred match at SummerSlam a month later. That wasn't much better than this. For an overall grade of this show, I'm going to give it a C+. Definitely one of the worst pay-per-views I've reviewed so far doing these retro pay-per-view reviews. The only match that I recommend going back to watch, that is the Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero match. Really, anything else on this show, you can skip. And the Christian and 
Booker match was fine, and then the Benoit Jordan match, they were both fine. But really, you don't need to watch those. I if you watch anything, go watch the Rey Mysterio Eddie Guerrero match, because that one was definitely the best match on the show. I'd skip absolutely everything else on this. I'm gonna give it a C plus. Hope you enjoyed that retro pay-per-view review. Let's get to the where are they now portion of the episode. And we'll start out with the first match. It was, we'll talk about Animal real quick. His last time he appeared on WWE TV was July 20th, 2012 episode of SmackDown. And that was on the Heath Slater Legends Tour where where he would get squashed by Legends. And he did squash Heath Slater there. Uh, He would be inducted. He'd be inducted along with Hawk and uh, Paul Ellering into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2011. Heidenreich, he would retire from wrestling in 2009, returned to wrestling briefly in 2016 and 17, currently lives in Model Town, Ambola City, not sure where that's at, and he's the owner of the infamous Mad Hawk Mansion. John Morrison, you know where he's at. He's back in WWE wrestling on SmackDown, after a nine-year hiatus with the company, from the company, he also wrestled for Lucha Underground and Impact during his time away. Joey Mercury, currently unemployed, worked most recently for Ring of Honor before leaving the company in October of last year. Booker T, he retired in 2013 and now works mostly on the kickoff panels for pay-per-views. He runs his own wrestling promotion out of Houston, Texas, known as Reality of Wrestling. He did wrestle one match here for it in February, and he's he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2013. Christian, he was forced to retire in 2014 after a after he suffered a concussion. He appeared recently on Raw trying to avenge Edge after his loss at Backlash. He got low blowed and punted. Now mostly serves on the pre-show panel for pay-per-views. He's also appeared as an analyst on WWE Backstage before that was canceled here recently. Orlando Jordan last wrestled in 2016 and actually runs a wrestling school now in Melbourne, Australia, where he lives. Benoit, you know the story with him, and if you don't, go check out the first two episodes of this last season of Dark Side of the Ring. The Undertaker, you know the story with him. He recently retired after his Boneyard match with AJ Styles at WrestleMania 13. Keyword, retired, which is in air quotes because we don't know. Hopefully, this this seems like an actual retirement for Undertaker, but who knows? Vince may be ringing his phone again. We'll see about that. Muhammad Hassan, he completely disappeared from wrestling after he was released from the company two months later following this pay-per-view, and he wouldn't appear in a pro wrestling ring for 13 years. He officially retired in 2019 after wrestling in 2018 and 2019 on the indies. Uh, He decided to focus on being a junior high school principal in New York. Now from the six-man tag match, Blue Meanie, he still wrestles and is a trainer at the Monster Factory Wrestling School in Paulsboro, New Jersey, and he co-hosts a podcast called Mind of the Meanie with Josh Chernoff 
Uh, he most recently wrestled on MLW and Re- Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor's Free Enterprise show this past February. Stevie Richards, he still wrestles on the Indies. He's la- his last match listed on the Internet Wrestling Database was a match at Beyond slash WWR Lethal Lottery in May of 2019. Nova, he still wrestles on the Indies also. Most recently appeared in April of 2019 at WrestlePro Does Funny Equal Money. Hoovy, Juventud Guerrero, uh, most recently teamed with Aramis to take on Jake Chris and Sammy Callahan back in January at AAW, A New Dawn. Psychosis, he most recently wrestled on a AAA MLW crossover show back in mid-March. And then Super Crazy, he most recently wrestled on Noah, the best 2019 Battle of Aesthetics in a six-man tag match back in November of 2019. Rey Mysterio, he's still active for the company. He's got a match coming up at the horror show at Extreme Rules against Seth Rollins in a eye for an eye match. Eddie Guerrero passed away less than four months later of acute heart failure. Molina, she currently works on the Indies and for the NWA. You can see her on NWA Power. Tori, she was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame uh, WrestleMania 35 weekend. And the last time she wrestled was back in 2018 at uh, WWE's all-women's pay-per-view, Evolution. And I got to say, she is still in fantastic shape. Check out her Instagram. She actually has her own fitness website called Fittensity. Uh, She most recently married Justin Tupper last September. And the main event, John Bradshaw-Layfield, JBL. He stayed active until 2009, retiring after losing his IC championship at WrestleMania 25 to Rey Mysterio in just 21 seconds. Currently lives in Bermuda, and he was scheduled to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame WrestleMania 36 weekend, but COVID-19 had other plans, and uh, we'll see when that actually happens. But JBL also still, he comes back from time to time and does commentary, and he did appear in a match back in 2014, he was a part of the Royal Rumble match that year before getting eliminated by Roman Reigns very quickly. And Batista, I've covered him already. He retired in 2019 after his WrestleMania 35 match with Triple H. He's on the silver screen. You see him in Avengers, Endgame, Infinity War, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, Volume 2, and other mainstream movies. He's a movie star now, Dave Batista is. And that is it for the Where Are They Now portion of this show. And I forgot to mention this earlier. I meant to mention this earlier, but I'm, I think I'm going to start doing some YouTube content. So stay tuned for that. I do have a YouTube channel, Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. Some of my episodes, past episodes, are posted on there. But I'm thinking about doing some video content for you all kind of give you just, I don't know, some di- a different look of the show, not just the podcast here, but some video content, maybe some merch hauls or some top 10 list. Who knows? The possibilities are endless. But in the meantime, make sure to follow me on Twitter and Facebook at SigDaddyWrestle and on Instagram at SigDaddy.Wrestle and make sure to punch that subscribe button 
on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time, this is Sig Daddy signing off. Thanks for listening, and so long, everybody.